mate, that was such a mission. <laughs> <laughs> we spent about probably a good hour trying to figure out why we had like a bee noise. It was like a buzzing bee in the background of that <laughs> of our recording. It was a disaster. Mate, there was there's no one else that would have rather been here <laughs> to help me. That was honestly that was like ninety minutes of like trying to figure out oh, how man. how the, the people can actually hear us. The joys of trying to figure out how to podcast. It's not fun at times. But we got there, we cracked it. What was the problem in the end? Uh, basically I, mean, a I just kind like of some, some, let you fix some, it. some kind of electrical interference that made it sound like there was Could a it be bumblebee in our in our headphones and in there's the gonna end, be conspiracies yeah i think basically what we figured out was that our, the wire the, the cable connecting our like recording box to our mics was too long and that was causing the interference it's way, it's way too long <laughs> don't know don't know why i bought them it's like a 30 meter cable that andy had and that was causing the problem well, so. mate, mate, thanks for, thanks for doing this uh you are known as the podcast king is i that, I, that fair? I i really dispute that title i'm actually very nervous about being known as that but um i have dabbled in podcasting yeah. over the past eight nine months um with jim crooks um one of the elders at crescent church mm. and it's been it's been a baptism of fire. Um, we've learned a lot in that period of time. Because, mate, you wouldn't be a really techie guy. Not at previous. all. Not at all. So I, t- t- what was that like? Well, so, so Jim said to me, like, basically, Ollie, I, I think we should start a podcast. And, and you're like, what? <laughs> Jim, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I barely, to be honest, I barely listened to podcasts. So, so from, from my perspective, I thought podcasts that were like, for like quite keen kind of people yeah. as like a certain niche group of folk who listen to podcasts. Nerds. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> essentially kind of, you know, you geeky types who are into like, you know, American sports and all this. And I was like, oh, you know. Got better things to That's do. not really my vibe. And then Jim asked me to start one. So I was like, goodness, I'm going to have to watch a few YouTube videos here and figure this whole thing out. And so that's, yeah, been the last eight months of my life is trying to work out how this actually works. Yeah, practice. and then and then, how do you get people to listen to it too? Exactly, exactly. So it was all a bit scary to begin with, but thankfully, um, yeah, Jim uh, Jim has a lot of really, really helpful, helpful things to say um, from a Christian perspective. And yeah, it's been a huge blessing. And, you know, God has been really, really faithful to us. He's given us opportunities to share um truth on that podcast um with kind of the a young generation of christians in northern ireland but also like across the world we've had opportunities to to connect with people in all different countries so we're, we're really really thankful for that where's the, where's the weirdest place that someone's <laughs> listening that you, oh, you wow. wouldn't have seen coming yeah you know what we had a lesson in saudi arabia wow. which was weird like i was like wow that's amazing and do you do much marketing out there that wasn't a country i was kind of targeting targeting, to be honest with you so that was cool um that jordan was another one that was that was cool um and then really encouraging um really encouraging listener in california Mm. as she reached out to us and and said said that she'd binge listened to the Equip Project podcast. <laughs> Did you have subtitles? Or like <laughs> it was like yeah, exactly. I'm not sure what she made of the Belfast accents or Northern Irish accents, but but um, that was class. Like, it was just like so cool because someone who probably I would never have met in my life, yeah. but for this podcast, and yet the Lord has used this medium of communication to bless her, and I was just so thankful for that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's um, 
it really is connecting with people, especially when you listen to something long form. It's different than like a short, snappy YouTube video mm. or Instagram stories, and it's like over in a few seconds. It's like a commitment to download yeah. and as a part of your day, put this on, whether it's in the background driving yeah. or when you're doing the dishes. And I, I think you kind of get to know people, in your case, particularly Jim. Definitely. The listeners yeah. will, you know, over time, um, sort of learn you know, what he thinks on all sorts of things and yeah. they'll form their own opinions. 100%. Um, it is, it's a journey. It's a journey and you, it feels very personal. You know, you feel like you get to know your listeners and, you know, some of them have, uh, a number of them have reached out to us kind of regularly over Instagram and mm. that kind of thing. And you do feel like, you know, it's, this isn't just, it, it's different from kind of preaching in the sense that, um, yeah, you kind of have like regular, almost daily contact on Instagram with your mm-hmm. listeners, um, which is, yeah, different, I guess. Let's let's go back a bit. You weren't, we're in Belfast at the minute. You weren't born in Belfast. I wasn't. Where were you born? And um, what was the situation and, and what was that like? Yeah, so, so my background is Sue. My grandparents, uh, all four of my grandparents, in fact, are from Northern Ireland. So I've mm. kind of feel like I've returned home, you know, to the uh, <laughs> back to back to the motherland, and I love it here. But actually, I was born in Surrey in England, uh, so southeast of England, um, to a South African father and a Northern Irish mother, and that's where I grew up. So my experience growing up was living in Surrey, which is quite a uh, how do you describe Surrey? Fairly leafy, fairly middle class. It's lovely. Um, it's very nice, uh, very comfortable, um, you know, but I would also say not a lot of interest in kind of Christian things, spiritual things. It's very much mm. a kind of a secular, uh, kind of a liberal utopia in that sense. Uh, I say utopia, I mean, there's a lot of problems under, you know, behind the scenes, but uh, on the surface level, it, it's kind of a... Uh, um, yeah, a, a kind of a county where a lot of people would have good jobs, good uh, kind of career opportunities and this kind of thing, expensive houses, cars, et cetera, et cetera, and not a lot of time for God, which mm. is a real sadness. And um, in terms of what was your introduction to faith and the idea of a God mm. um, in those early years, in those formative years, and then mm. as you maybe grew up as, as a teenager and how that developed? Yeah, I think, so, you know, my, my parents were, are both Christians, um, which was a huge blessing. So even though we, we grew up in a, in a quite a secular part of the country, um, from a young age, they uh, would have read us Bible stories. They would have told us uh, about Jesus. And for, from a young age, I, I remember, you know, knowing, being acutely aware that, that Jesus had, you know, gone to the cross and it had died for me on the cross. And I had a very limited understanding of that, but I, I was convinced that that was true. I was convinced he died for all the, the wrong things that I'd done. And even though, you know, I was young, I knew that that forgiveness was for me. Um, and that, so, so I'd say even like from as young as five or six, I had kind of a very kind of basic relationship with Jesus um, and, and became a Christian probably about that age. Um, and from there on in, it was, uh, it was a case of, I attended a, a local church, which was very small, maybe about 30 people mm, at it. So it was really small, but like a real family home and community. And they provided me with opportunities to get involved and, to um, you know, to help lead some of the youth groups and all this kind of stuff. And I, I really, 
um, you know, through that church and through the people, the family at that church, I really experienced um, some great Bible teaching and a really solid foundation was provided for me to to grow as a Christian through through that time. Mm. And of course, sorry, so close to, to London, you went mm. to university in London. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I attended the London School of Economics um, to study law. Uh, so, yeah. And what was the what was the plan? Yeah. You, were you wanting to practice law? Was that the yeah, the, yeah, that the vision? Was, that was before. Well, to be honest, I so I I applied for law. In all honesty, I didn't know really what it would involve. Like I thought, you know, and is that is that common for people going into a course like that at a prestigious university like LSE? Mm, I would say, I'm sure a lot of I'm sure a lot of that people on the course were were more tuned in than I was. I would say I... Did it, did it feel like a very driven class? Oh, yeah. Oh, hugely. Like, right from... People looking around, like, mm. who's going to come top? Definitely. I mean, what I remember one lad who attended pretty much every lecture with his, you know, suit jacket on and his briefcase, and he looked like a corporate lawyer. You At know? Queen's, there's nobody that attends every <laughs> lecture. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. So that, that's, that's intense, and he's trying yeah. to portray something yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah. he? De- oh, definitely. I felt pretty... Like, right from the outset, I was like... I am out of my depth there. Like I came. What was your attire? Yeah. Well, I was like, I was there. I, I, you know, I try to dress like half decently, but I didn't, I didn't look anything like this chap. You know, he was, he was already, you know, in fact, I actually looked. Some people talk about that. They talk about dressing for the job that you want to have. Right. And putting you in that mental frame of, of envisioning the finish line. Well, now I, I looked up his LinkedIn oh, yeah. a, a number of months ago. So he works at one of the biggest law firms okay, in the world well. uh, and one of the highest paying law firms. So he's based in New York That's and intense. he'll be I getting... I bet he doesn't sleep me. Oh, probably not. It's probably horrendous, but he'll be getting paid a crazy amount of money. So that was... So going to LSE, I was like, man, I really should have kind of prepared more for this course um <laughs> should have read like the bio like <laughs> yeah so but at the same time I, I wanted a kind of an intellectual challenge and i wanted you sure. know a degree that had a, a kind of a clear job at the end of it and from those from that point of view you know there was uh there was a huge opportunity to kind of stretch yourself and yeah be challenged and, for and, sure. and you uh got quickly involved uh pretty well involved with the christian stuff Yes. at the university mm. living in london of course it's not a campus university like a lot of mm. others so it's got a very different feel yeah, yeah, um, yeah but you were you had a role in the leadership there in some way yeah so i'd say that was really significant in terms of my kind of christian journey was um making a decision to get involved in the christian union uh, very quickly so even before i uh went for before i arrived at the university i, I reached out to the kind of the cu committee or or cu over um over Facebook, I think it was, and they replied, and so and they're like, "Who's this yeah, freaky exactly. so intense?" Who <laughs> is this Kino? Yeah, exactly. Um, What's so, he hiding? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I looked really, really keen, but I think you know. So again, I guess cu- coming to Northern Ireland now is such a different culture in many ways. Like the CU at Queens, you know, there's like a few hundred people at it. Yeah. The CU at LSE, there was when I arrived. I think there was about 12 of us, That's right? <laughs> so like, so actually... And, it's, and, yeah. it, and at Queen's, it's cool. Mm. It's like, it's a cool group of people to be involved with. And that, you know, goes way back to historically, you know, our culture in Northern Ireland is so much more different than mm. the, you know, the Londons and the New Yorks and the mega cities. And the postmodernism is like been mm. rapid 
and we're kind of catching up there. I don't have any doubt that we're going to get there. But I remember even at school, it was cool to be a Christian. Mm. And I can't imagine in London that would have ever been the case. <laughs> like, would, would it? Would, like, were you... <laughs> I, I never remember it being regarded as cool uh, yeah. in that sense. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's how people would characterize it. I think people thought it was weird at school. You know, it was, I was very much like an outlier um, in terms of, you know, someone was a Christian, um, wasn't, wasn't the norm by any means, but I think some people were intrigued by it. Like, mm-hmm. I think some people thought, you know, that's, that's kind of different, but, but yeah. But, but in a university with such big numbers for mm. there to be, for you to be able to count a, you know, a couple dozen yeah. people that are identifying and mm. saying that this faith is real to me and I want to, um, live out my faith, the fullness of the Christian life while I'm at university mm. and saying no to all that other stuff that the world is offering um because often university is like a place where you can start again isn't it and mm. like create a new identity and so many oh, people big, do big that time. and it can be quite damaging if you're not in the mindset yeah the right mindset and i think it's so important for for you know, you're, you're involved with helping young people you know that transition is a is a massive one absolutely oh. and, and for me i was i was living at home and mm. and still connected with the local church which is on the, on the doorstep of my university but for so many others going away not knowing anyone that can be potentially you know a terrifying experience yeah and you can fall fall into some some bad groups of people yeah oh definitely and i think i think it is it's make or break for for a lot of a lot of christians i know people who've gone kind of one way or another either they've really kind of grown as christians during their time at uni or they've essentially you know turned away from god for for that Mm. time and um that's a really that's a really tragic thing because it's such an opportunity for growth and and for witnessing i mean you i don't think you ever have an opportunity as good Mm -hmm. as university to witness to your friends never mind free time yeah (laughs) to to get involved in stuff because because what you don't realize at that stage if you're if you're on the track to full-time employment is that oh gosh i can't just spend every lunchtime doing activities and meeting up with friends and having fellowship like that and be involved in church as well it's like that's a really unique time and Definitely. you have full summers to do all these kinds of things. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's massive. And it was so significant for me. So, you know, kind of in terms of what, what happened is I, I went along to one of their introductory uh, meetings or whatever, and they were very kind to me, very good to me. And quite quickly I began to build friendships within that group and eventually so um, ended up sort of yeah, helping run some of the events myself, you know? Yeah. And um, so fast forward a little bit to the time where I think I first connected with you after your undergrad, you came to mm. Northern Ireland and you were living in Balamina. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I actually spent between undergrad and uh, my postgrad uh, degree, I, I spent a year working for UCCF, which is mm. a Christian organization um, that works with university Christian unions. So I essentially was uh, supporting the work of UCCF um, as well as doing kind of study, Bible study and uh, reading Christian books and writing essays. And I think that was a huge, hugely formative year as well. So I'd encourage anyone who's, who's considering the relay program that UCCF or CUI as it is over here run like that is definitely worth And when you well. were taking this sort of, it's not a gap year, but... Mm. transition year were you using it as a time to think about what the next steps were or was that already clear for you or was this kind of like uh okay let's breathe Mm. read think do some really good stuff but then plan plan the next step 
definitely. I mean, I've, I've always had in my head that I'd love to do some kind of full-time Christian ministry, and this mm. provides an opportunity to, to test the water, I guess, and see... Because that's... Know, it's it, it's not for everyone. No, no, absolutely. And, and I think God used that year to show me a bit of what that could be like, and that was real, really beneficial. I still thought I would go, I would go into law um, at the end of it, and I at the end of it, I did have an interview for um, a role as a solicitor, um, which I was praying a lot about and didn't get in the end. And I, I, I was, yeah, I, I thought I thought I would. I thought that mm-hmm. was where maybe where the Lord was gonna take me, and uh, didn't happen. And he had other plans. And in the end, I ended up doing some further study in Belfast, mm. which is where we first kind of came into contact. Yeah, I'd say so. And was it that time that you met your uh, future, your what was then future uh, partner? Oh, you asked me if there was anything that was off limits, and I'm like, oh, I should have mentioned that. Maybe the podcast should be called <laughs> Off Limits. Yeah, no, I so long and embarrassing story about that. But yes, during my uh, time at Queens. I first <laughs> maybe there'll be a bonus I, episode. I first, yeah, I first came bonus in episode. contact with Rachel, and essentially, I come out Changed of it. the course of your life. Oh, big, big for the better, big time, big time. And I come out of it looking quite stalkerish, which is the problem. <laughs> like and, a mug. Yeah, it yeah, worked. Yeah, but you know, she's now my wife, so I'm happy with that situation. Yeah, but it's, it's so interesting how decisions like that. If you, if you hadn't co- mm. decided to come to, you you would be on a different trajectory somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, if if you know, if if the Lord had allowed me to get that job in in London, then I would my life would probably look pretty different mm-hmm. now, and um, I'd probably be stressed out of my yeah. mind. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk about stress. Yeah, because for a period of time, you were wearing a suit and going mm. into London mm. and commuting and traveling around and working for uh, for a big four organization. Yeah, what what was that like? Were you excited about going into that, and then did it meet your expectations? Good question. I mean, so, so after Queens, I then got a job with with PwC, um, and that was with a view to going into something like uh, management consulting or risk mm-hmm. consulting. Or and a lot of people coming out of law do go into one of these big four organisations as well. Yes, yeah, so, so people would like not everyone who who does law ends up being a lawyer. You know, people do go into business or you know journalism or politics. Christian or podcasting. Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that, all that kind of thing. Um, but yes, in my view was I wanted to go into some kind of consulting, um, you know, kind of risk consulting was the goal and joined PwC and thought, you know, kind of spend a few years here and then move on. And, um, you know, thought that during my time there, I, I would learn a lot and grow a lot. Uh, and actually quite quickly, you know, without getting into all, all the ins and outs, I found out that it wasn't quite what I had anticipated. Mm. Uh, the work I ended up, ended up doing was work, to be to be blunt, that I wasn't actually very good at. I wasn't very well suited for. It was a lot of calculation stuff. And, you know, I hadn't done math since GCSE. <laughs> but I guess that's what happens when for a, a big for accounting firm. It's hard. Firm, but, In these yeah. organizations, you get worked hard. Definitely, you yeah. uh, do not clock off at five o'clock. If there's work to be done by you know, your manager's set, you've yep. got to get it done and often bring work home and there's emails coming through all the time it's like a stressful it's very different than university and that's that's another big Mm. jump yeah no it was and and in fairness actually when we were working on client site we did have pretty regular hours but it was intense it was repetitive we you know i was like right at the bottom rung of the ladder so it was it was full-on and gotta hustle if you want to become a partner in one of these places yeah yeah yeah. it doesn't just happen definitely you have to put in the legwork and 
Um, and quite quickly, I, I'd, I'd spent a number of months doing, you know, just this, these calculations and, uh, and I just was becoming increasingly kind of disillusioned, I guess, by the whole thing. Um, it wasn't life giving. It... No, like, I, I think I was doing something that I hadn't, you know, ever intended to be doing. I thought I'd, I'd be going in there and quite quickly doing kind of risk consulting mm-hmm. or something like that. I was doing something that wasn't connected even with my skill set. And actually, um, I, I really struggled to see why God had put me there. Like I was confused. I was I was questioning, um, you know, why God had brought me into that role, into that position. And I struggled to see the point of it. Uh, and I think that caused me, yeah, to really struggle mentally, you know, just to to understand what the point of all this was. I think um, that's so interesting. I think yeah. so many people, so many Christians, followers of Jesus, don't really grasp that the fullness of the Christian life is 24-7. And so many people are working to get through their day, mm. to get off to do something else. They're looking forward for, for and often for the Christian that can be, thinking that their impact that for the kingdom is weekends and evenings and activities that they're involved in. And maybe it means sometimes telling the guy you're sitting beside that you went to church or something, mm. but that maybe that's, that's where it stops there. But actually, some people are born to do the calculations that you were doing mm. and are God-given giftings to really glorify him in doing good work. Yeah, But you quickly were able to realize that it wasn't for you. Well, yeah. So I'd say I'd say what I learned very quickly was that my happiness, my satisfaction, depended hugely on my circumstances. Yeah. So the Lord brought that home to me. And actually, when I was in a place where I was with my family or with friends or doing, you know, a, a job or work that I enjoyed. So, for example, that year with UCCF, I, yeah. I really enjoyed myself during that year. Yeah, you got uh, up. Yeah, Rare and <laughs> maybe not every day, but like, uh, like quite often. You I was weren't very... even drinking coffee at yeah. this time. Is, that, is <laughs> exactly. that right? Exactly. I was living You're a life latecomer. free from coffee. Um, but, but, you know, I realized very quickly, you know, actually so much of my happiness and contentment, it's not in the Lord. It's not rooted in the Lord. It's mm. rooted in my circumstances. And I actually, that was really convicting because what the Lord taught me is actually I need to find my contentment in him, you know, mm. and in, uh, in Jesus and not in the circumstances of life that I find myself in. Um, because if, you know, if uh, your contentment or your happiness um, is rooted in the circumstances of life, it'll be constantly up and down. Mm. Um, and that was a big lesson I learned from, from my time at PwC. Yeah, wow. So then let's talk about transition then to deciding, well, getting married. That's a yeah. that's a big, big step. But then also that you'd be living in Belfast and then you're probably thinking, well, what kind of work will I be doing? I know you at the time you were working for PwC here. Yeah, so, so then um, kind of fast forward and I got engaged to Rachel, which was wonderful um that yeah that was that was just so cool incredible how um how that happened as well like i i was thinking you know i'm probably i was thinking i'm you know am i ever gonna get married you know this just seems like you know uh, yeah it just seems so far off so far in the distance um and then actually uh, you know obviously i spent a lot of time praying about it and the lord brought rachel into my life um and things you know, moved quickly. And again, that just showed, that just showed me how God works actually, you know, um, showed me that 
uh, you know, it, it was really his timing and his plan and not mine. And, and we've got to surrender to that. Yes, and I think so much of my, the lessons I've been taught in the last few years are, are about kind of not being self-sufficient and self-reliant. And, and Rachel was an example of that as well. And I'm very, very thankful for her. She's been a huge blessing in, in my life. Um, but but the result of, of marrying Rachel, getting engaged to Rachel, was that I moved to Belfast. And uh, PwC, um, uh, so in the end, actually offered me a role in, in part of mm-hmm. a company that I was keen to work for. Um, uh, and simultaneously... So you were considering that at the time? Yeah, so I, I was very torn because... Um, so there was this option to work in a, a part of PwC that I thought would be a much better fit for me um, and would have been a lot a lot more suited to, to my skill set. But at the same time, this opportunity to work with uh, Crescent Church in Belfast mm-hmm. had, had come up uh, as their youth and young adults worker. And Which is a huge difference. Yes, yes, that's a, yes. That's, that's like a big... <laughs> That's yeah. not that's not a baby step no. in terms of what your days look like, what you have to wear. Yeah, no, it was it was uh really big. And to be honest, at first I was like, um yeah, I was like this I'm not sure this is 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 wise, you know, like PwC. Well it's definitely of, not a get rich quick scheme. Yeah, well, exactly. And in, you know, I was just about to get married and um, you know, PwC, there was kind of long-term job security mm-hmm. and kind of progression. Yeah, and it's, just, it's just not you anymore. You've got to be responsible for, for a team. Exactly, and... exactly. But um, the way the role came about at Crescent, the timing of it, uh, the fact that I was moving to Belfast, the fact that it would enable me not to, the, the role at PwC, I would have been traveling three or four days a week. Um, you know, all those different things came into play. And I say one of the biggest things is that Rachel and I both, you know, simultaneously were confident that um, pieces were coming together. The pieces were coming together in terms of the the Crescent job. And so a lot of prayer, a lot of talking to wise people, godly people who um, felt similarly. Mm -hmm. So actually just, there was barely anyone saying, you know, stay at PwC Stead. So that was really significant I your would parents say. were encouraging yeah so so that was obviously big as well my parents um my parents both felt that that working for crescent was the right option um so i'd say that that was also really really significant as well and actually the, f- the funny thing was i you know andy i'd i'd like grafted for basically almost two years to get into this area of pwc you know it was like strategy consulting um uh you know management consulting and i'd worked i'd, I'd kind of you know spoken to lots of the partners and all this kind of thing and like i'd you know it'd be my kind of dream almost and maybe that's overstating it but i thought you know eventually i'll get there and then the weird thing was when they offered it to me um i had to turn it down (laughs) so i felt like i was like this is bizarre i went i went to speak to the guy who who'd offered it to me um and in fairness the funny funny thing was they only offered it to me after they realized that i had this external offer so that was the way these some of these firms yeah. work but I they were trying to, to lure you back yeah i had to go to him and turn it down and i just was like what is going on this seems so like a illog- opportunity yeah so illogical from a from a kind of human point of view like what i've grafted for two years for this and but actually, again, I felt like it was the Lord kind of saying, you know, choose. You know, you know that I want you to, to, to do this youth and young adults role. But here's this offer that, humanly speaking, looks like it makes sense. I want you to choose what I want you to do. You know, I don't want you to fall into it. And so that, I felt, again, was the Lord saying, you know, trust me. 
um, and don't rely on yourself and your own kind of wisdom uh, or lack of wisdom. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so what? So get married and pretty much right away start a new job. Yes. What was that like? Was it a learning curve? You don't have the, a boss in the same way that you did mm. before. You have to structure your own days. You've mm. got to you've 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 got to meet the kids and the young people and build, start to build relationships. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot to do. Yeah, so, so I think for the church as well, they hadn't had a youth worker for a number of years. So it was kind of a, a new experience for all of us. But uh, I've been so well supported by the elders there. Um, and yeah, like very welcomed at Crescent. You know, met lots of good people, obviously, like yourself, Andy. Um, and so Rachel and I, you know, having Rachel as well, you know, to, to kind of join me in that experience. She helps uh, lead uh, some of the youth work as well. Um, so that, that support network has definitely been there and I've definitely felt, uh, very encouraged. You know, people will send me text messages quite regularly just to, to encourage me. And so I've, I've, I'm very blessed to be working in an environment where people genuinely love one another and mm-hmm. care for you. And, um, very, I'd say very different from corporate world of PwC, where it's a lot more cutthroat. Um, so that's a, a huge blessing and actually then getting to know the young people, um, I just see so much potential there. We have a lot of young guys um, and I've got three younger brothers um, and I have a real kind of heart to see those young guys grow into men of God and to, to live for God, to live for Christ with their lives, to, to serve him. And I, and I know one, one key area yeah. that, that we've spoken about and, and, and you see is huge for these young guys. And if you were to look back at a younger self is the idea of holiness Mm. and I know university that again that was a key theme for you you know in your leadership there um why is that important yeah so that's a great question um you know I I do think I'd say one of the primary ways that I'm aware of this is just through going on you know social media scrolling through Netflix or Amazon Prime or you know um any of these things it's just like the exposure now just to like so much stuff that is essentially tainting our minds as christians There's and it's just normalized so, now oh yeah like totally normalized it's happened so totally gradually normalized. over over the course of a few decades yeah that somebody living in the mid 1900s wouldn't have ever uh, it would have been ridiculous yeah i mean i so, so even the rating system i i mean the rating system on stuff like netflix I'm shocked at like some of the stuff. So like uh, you, you're watching a 15 rated movie and they can have, it can have nudity in it, you know? Yeah. So, so I just don't, so that, so obviously the people rating these things are happy for 15 year olds to be And seeing. this is all driven by big organizations mm. wanting more people to look at stuff yes. and to be hooked yeah. to keep coming back like a drug. Mm. And, and it's it's the attention economy. That's what people talk about. It's the attention economy that, that companies need us to be scrolling, to be able yeah. to make money. And for a long time, I certainly wasn't getting the message that actually being stimulated by tech is having a negative impact internally. Mm. Oh, and like, I think I, we're waking up to that now. D- d- I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, you know, sex sells, um, violence sells. Um, you know, crudeness, profanity seems to sell, you know. Um, we see this in the media as well in terms of the yeah. news, news cycle. And those are the stories that get eyeballs. Yeah, and the more extreme something is, the weirder something. I mean, you see some of the documentaries, the like the weirder, the stranger. People are fascinated by that kind of thing. It, it gets people talking. Yeah, it almost has to be more and more gripping, more intense. Um, 
And that I think as Christians, like, and I speak to myself, I'm not, I'm not speaking from a place of having nailed this down. I certainly haven't, but you know, we need to be so aware of that because, you know, if you spend, um, you know, like 15, 20 minutes a day, you know, reading and praying and three or four hours, I mean, if you look at your screen time, mine's sometimes shocking. Yeah. It's like four or five hours sometimes. It's terrifying. And if, you, if you're spending that amount of time consuming, you know, social media, consuming, you know, Netflix, Prime, whatever it is, and like 20 minutes a day consuming scripture, <laughs> what do you think is going to be dominant well, in your and, thinking? And this you know? is the absolute key thing for me. And I haven't, hadn't realized the simple equation for a long time that it's okay to start getting rid of, okay, that's a movie I shouldn't be watching. I'm watching too much football, whatever it is. Mm. I'm on Facebook too many hours a day. You need to be filling that time with good quality stuff. Yes. Because otherwise it's not going to work. Definitely. Definitely. And I think it's it's not a question of, see, I guess one of the things that I want to avoid when, when saying these things is us, you know, becoming like, legalistic um you know are like you know we could very easily you could very easily cut out you know all kind of trashy stuff from your life and still be totally ungodly Mm. (laughs) i think that's where your point becomes so crucial because it's not just about cutting those things and you know puffing out your chest and saying oh haven't i got it nailed aren't i so holy actually it's about you know cutting out a lot of the trash but then you know consuming good holy food pure food um, getting to know Christ, enjoying his presence, delighting in him, mm-hmm. um, you know, learning more about who he is and just filling yourself with that goodness and whole food. Um, and I think that, yeah, the, the combination of those things is the key. Yeah. So this current phase you're in, has it been plain sailing or has there been, it's been up and down rocky patches? Yeah. I mean, like, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, like, is life ever plain sailing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think life is always hard and complex and there's always challenges and, you know, we live in a fallen world and, you know, for us to, I think, I think in the past, again, something, you know, that, that, that working for PwC taught me was I spent so much of my life living for this future kind of utopia that I, that I had in mind. And I think we all think if only my life was like this, yeah, then yeah. I'd be satisfied. Yeah. We spend so long looking ahead to, you know, when I get married or, you know, when I have kids or when I'm in a, when I can buy my own home and when I have stability and, you know, when I've got that you know, job security, I'm, I'm There's earning always something more X amount of money. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the, it's, it's foolishness to live like that because right now God has given you today, you know, this hour, um, you know, this week, you know, how are we living for him during, you know, this period we've been given? We're not given tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. This is what we have now. And actually God says that we can be happy. We can rejoice. We can, um, find contentment and satisfaction to him in the current period of life yeah. that we're in. And I'd say that's a big lesson. So, so back, I, I'm, I haven't answered your question directly, but back, back to your question, like, you know, life for me at the moment, I, I, I'm, you know, very blessed and I'm actually in a very happy phase of my life, you know, praise God for that. And, you know, circumstances I would say have, have improved in terms of, mm-hmm. I enjoy my work. I'm passionate about, you know, working with young people and, and sharing, um, sharing God's word with them those things excite me and I'm, I know that I'm privileged. Not everyone can say they enjoy their job and, and that's hard. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, yeah, there are, there are challenges, you know, um, even mentally, you know, I'm quite an anxious person. Yeah. We were having a, a catch up before this mm. and, um, mental health, something I hadn't opened up mm. a lot for a long time with anyone. And, um, 
Yeah, I think as as soon as I got to know you, you were, you were pretty open about mm. about it with yourself, and I thought that's vulnerable. What are some of the challenges you've you you've had personally? And I think I think conversations are beginning, and mm. people are are waking up to to all of these ideas, which are so nuanced for individuals. I think it's only a good thing that we're talking about it. Definitely. I mean, Christians are not uh, kind of exempt from these struggles. You know, like the fall has broken us, you know, broken our minds. You know, I think uh, Jim Crooks would say there's there's kind of like fractures or fault lines that, that run through all of our personalities. I think I think that's really helpful way of thinking about it. And certainly like for me, I've got quite a sort of, I've got definitely obsessive tendencies and anxious tendencies. And that can make, you know, life trying at times. You know, you definitely overthink things, definitely um, consumed by anxiety sometimes. But, you know, God um, God in his word um, can, can provide help, you know, as well. And as well as I also, want, I also want to say that, you know, other Christians can provide help. And speaking to older, wiser Christians have has been a huge blessing to me. Sometimes things like that, you know, do, do require medical attention as well. I'm aware of that too. But, you know, I, I think sometimes when people are trapped in, you know, a state of anxiety or depression, they feel like that they're going to be stuck there forever. And that was certainly during my PwC phase, that was a big thing for me. Am I stuck in, you know, the stress and anxiety forever? Will it ever end? And, you know, there is, for the Christian, definitely there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. There is um there is hope and i'd say you know to anyone listening who struggles with mental health in in one way or another um you know that there is as christians there is a sure and certain hope that one day you won't have those fractures and fault lines running through your personality your mind will be you know crystal clear um and actually even in this life it's not always going to be as hard you know there's going to be better times and i've experienced that there's going to be um you know, good days and bad days, but, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, God doesn't change through through our circumstances. 100%. Um, so we're in our, like, third month since coronavirus had a real hit. How's, how's life been uh, locked up? We're allowed to mm. get out a little bit more now. There's still, um, you know, a long way to go. We don't have church to go to and and can't go and get a, a, get a flat white and sit in a coffee <laughs> shop, which I'm waiting for. Oh, I know. Um, what what have the struggles been for you and and, uh, mm. and 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 do you think coming out of this, um, you've been changed personally? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I you know so so I haven't had a huge amount of I haven't spent a huge amount of time sort of reflecting on the impact it's had on me. I, one thing I will say is I'd say I definitely have kind of uh, introvert like I'm a bit of an introvert in some ways and. I think one of the risks of this whole lockdown thing is it, it makes you even more introverted. Well, I, I think I think a lot of people are realizing the, there are elements of this mm. situation of working from home or 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 on furlough that people are really enjoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, I think people are going to not give it up really that easily. Yeah, yeah. And are going to be saying, "Well, maybe I want to work from home half the week." Yeah. And I enjoy not having the commute and the stress that that causes, and seeing the kids yeah. more. And, you know, you work in a job where you, you're not, you don't have to go into an office with lots mm-hmm. of other people. But I think so many people, thankfully for tech, were realizing, actually, um, I'm still able to do my job mm. and I'm gaining this extra time. And maybe that's sleeping in more or having a lazy breakfast or whatever mm. it is. Um, but I think, yeah, I do think work's going to change. Yeah. 
I, and I would say as well, you know, like um, one of the things that, that will be important coming out of this lockdown is that we are kind of intentional or if we're, we're more introverted, we um, are kind of proactive or even even like force ourselves to engage socially um, because, Absolutely. you know, it's so it's it's a lot easier to to step away from from relationship and people's lives. And, you know, churches, you know, can be messy and challenging at times, you know, relating with people we, we aren't always necessarily naturally aligned with um, can be tricky, but we're called to love one another to be where we're, we're part of the same family. Um, and actually, we need to ensure coming out of this that we commit to that process Absolutely. and we don't continue to isolate ourselves even after lockdowns ending definitely um, I, I think hmm. i think when um you have to be intentional about giving somebody a phone or a text hmm. and not through convenience seeing people it makes you uh, realize oh these are the people that are actually i want to be intentional with going forward um I think it's made me reflect on the people in my life and actually the effort that I that I need to make with certain people yeah. that um, maybe you just bump into them at certain places, whether that's church or work. Yeah. And um, and actually, I'm trying to think, like, who's, who's in my inner circle? Who's good for me? Who's um, good to be in my community? Who, who can I build into as well as take from... And, I, and I'm coming out of this thinking maybe I have capacity for actually a smaller number of people than I thought mm. to have real deep, authentic relationship with. Yeah. Um, because I think I got to a stage in my life where there was, uh, it was too wide a circle that yeah. actually none of it was deep. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Other than one or two good long-term friends. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm an introvert and I, I don't open up easily. Okay. But... I think the problem has been just I've been going wide and thin. Uh-huh. So that's that's one thing that you know, having this time to reflect on. It's like, gosh, I do need to force myself to be relational yeah. and go deeper into conversation with people because that's not natural to me. Uh-huh. Like I'm good at small talk and like with that, but uh, I'm going for a catch up with somebody like yeah. this and doing all the talking and asking all the questions, yeah, yeah. but not actually revealing any anything that's in. Maybe I should ask me. you some well, some questions then. <laughs> okay, so, 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 so let's turn the tables. <laughs> no, but like I, that's I think that's really interesting. And and then so can I just can yeah. I can I just ask a question? So in terms of then, you know, so so you mentioned your circle of, of friends or acquaintances. How 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 have you seen that then in terms of like your time? Because I think yeah. for me as well, it, it kind of stripped everything back, you know, and you then had to figure out like, well, what do I spend my time on during mm. lockdown? You know, what are the things that I really miss that were almost like like necessities in my life, and what were what was a lot of the kind of fluff? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I had a lot of fluff. Mm. Um, I have a, I have a note. I've maybe told you this before. I've got a note in my phone, um, with the the people that I would have called um, my network, whatever. <laughs> and I would have to continue to look back on that to find out, okay, oh, well, I haven't spoken to this person in two weeks, need to book in a, a coffee or whatever. The list was so long that I couldn't, couldn't remember. And uh, often if I'm booking in a catch up, I'll kind of do a block of like a couple in a row. Often this is like literally so corporate, mate. Often, <laughs> often like in like in the same coffee shop or whatever, and it's like 
<laughs> and I'm just ba- I'm bad with time management, so I'm always late to things. And uh, but do you, do you send them a message on LinkedIn <laughs> before you meet them? Or? <laughs> my my assistant does. <laughs> but it was like I would just be. I would never be present because I was hmm. thinking about the next one and the list of things in general that I had to do. And I was just always behind and it just continued to pile up. Hmm. And and that, I think, was down to not being entirely fulfilled that I was trying to do do more. And this is, so if I, this really is turned on me, but if I go back to my tradition and my view of church and uh, uh, the evangelical church, so much of it is about, it, in my mind was about action and what we can do for the kingdom and and uh rather than than just being mm-hmm. with god and i feel like when i was not entirely fulfilled in my work and purpose and i think so many of our generation that's a key driver in how we spend our time now that when i when that would feeling would come i would mm join another organization and volunteer at this and try and set up something. But it, I wasn't becoming more satisfied because actually I was doing all of the things I was doing poor because mm. I was splitting myself even, even more and I was letting people down or uh, mm. being lit to things and uh, getting behind the, 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 the circle would cycle would start again and I would try and seek fulfillment mm. and often in my mind, what were good things, but actually what I needed the whole time was to spend more time with God. Well, that's really, I think that's a really like, it's really great that you've been able to kind of have that level of insight into your own behavior. I think a lot of people and it's aren't, needed the world shutting down for me <laughs> to realize that. A lot of people aren't that like as self-aware as that. So that's, yeah. that's and cool. also the other unspoken thing is pride. Obviously I mm. think, um, it would be wrong if I was just to think that was just between me and God, but often uh, it's nice to be seen to be doing good things mm. for in the Christian world, yeah, and to be sacrificial and 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 so on. But um, that wasn't help. The, the pride is definitely something that needed to be fixed. Even just like the people around you, you want to be seen to be serving and yeah. and um, but that was at the detriment of spending less. I mean, anytime I was in the scripture, it was to prepare a talk. You know, and and this is often what people in ministry find. I think a lot of the time is they're spending so much time. I mean, when I was mm-hmm. studying theology at Queens, it's like I'd spent three times, three years in the Bible, and how much of it was listening to what God's saying to mm-hmm. me rather than uh, for an exam or yeah. for a sermon in church. And often, yeah, oft oftentimes I felt almost like an imposter, like giving a talk at youth or on the main stage or uh you know serving mm. in in a in a ministry where it's like i i know deep down that i ought to be um spending more time just listening to god so that's, re- that's really helpful really helpful to me as well because i can very much relate to that you know output 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 and actually yeah. how much time are you really spending getting to know the lord yourself because externally those kpis are being checked yeah it it becomes functional and that's not you know yeah like you said like you said to me earlier before we started started this this podcast you said that you know it's about relationship you know and actually you know we we do um we do we harm actually the the presentation of the gospel if 
we haven't um, spent time on that relationship individually mm-hmm. uh, with our with our God, you know. And I think ultimately, I I as an example need to be more vulnerable in saying and being clear with people that uh, I I need to work on my relationship rather than putting on the facade of having it all together. Yeah, that's that's helpful too. Yeah. So um, I'm doing some reading on some books around practically. So I've identified the problem and I'm trying to work at it and. And I'm spending, I was telling you, I block out the first portion of my day and I've, I'm blessed to be on this kind of life sabbatical where I can spend intense time, just kind of spend a good chunk of that just listening and mm. trying to be still and quiet. And that's hard because your mind wanders. But and then also also reading um, and reading good Christian books as well and, and podcasts <laughs> like yours, Ollie. Um But a lot of the books I'm reading are around spiritual disciplines and formation and how we can um uh, apply different structures not in a legalistic way but practical things that can really really help um is there anything that you you guys do in your marriage in your life that um i mean do you have set times where you where you go to the bible um or is it kind of here and there yeah see see that's a that's a good question and a cha- challenging question as you ask it i i feel uh, i feel convicted as you ask it because i would say um, I would say one of the challenges about being in a ministry type role is often I'm spending, you know, a decent chunk of my day in the Bible. Yeah. And I've definitely like amalgamated those two things. So my own kind of quiet time come becomes bound up with, um, you know, my, my preparation of a Bible study or whatever. Um, and so God can I, definitely speak to you through oh, those. And, I, and, and some of the, the biggest lessons I've learned mm. have come out of talks that I've written. Okay. Because yeah, for, yeah. A, for a 30 minute sermon, you maybe spend 10 hours preparing yeah. it. And it's like you're deep in the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've like learned your sermon. So that kind of goes with you forever yeah. then. That, oh, definitely. Like, I agree. Like, actually, you know, one of, it's one of the greatest blessings having to prepare a Bible study or a talk because you're forced to really get to know that passage and, you know, hopefully, you know, if, if it's done with the right heart and mentality, hopefully to get to know God through that passage um, or get to know Christ through that that passage. And um, that, so that's massive. But having said that, like, I do feel that the times when I do spend some time in the word or in prayer prior to kind of starting or in addition to starting, um, you know, or to working on a, a talk or a sermon. Actually, I come to it more with with the right mentality. Mm-hmm. I, I see it also less of like a kind of a functional work type thing and um, come come at it almost fresher. I don't know, is yeah. that the right way? Like I come at it with a f- feeling fresher, spiritually revitalized, I guess. Um, so that that's definitely an area that um, ironically, I have uh, a week plan a lockdown schedule I call it and at the beginning of each day is like a block for you know reading and prayer and oftentimes that block um becomes smaller and smaller or non-existent and I go straight into like starting to prep for a bible study or starting to do this and you know I'm like oh this is still the bible so it's fine um but that I don't think that's good enough to be honest and I, I think yeah, you can keep me accountable, Andy. Next time we, next time we podcast together, ask me how it's going because I think that helps having people who you know ask you how those kind of things are going. And discipline definitely doesn't come uh, very easily to me. So the you know having people in your life who ask you about spiritual disciplines is is massive. Community is absolutely key because the more I've been kind of 
um, diving deep into myself internally and my, you know, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned, but the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, the more I've been falling into the trap of thinking it's this relationship just between me and God and actually we were made for community mm -hmm. and for people and um, often I'm jealous of like the monks or <laughs> who can just, you know, escape the world and you know it's me and you god if i've got you you're all i need but actually we were made to interact with one another yeah 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 that's that's big it's big and especially for people who have you know some people thrive off that but for people who you know are enjoying this lockdown a lot because yeah. they haven't had to associate with people that's a challenge because relationships well. hurt yeah yeah if they're real yeah and it may and you, you know it makes you vulnerable as well you have to you know if you want a genuine relationship you have to give some of yourself you have to you know be willing to share part of your own experience and life story and that makes you vulnerable because you know you can't just put up a facade and you can't just like show people what you want them to see yeah. you have to give you have to give some of yourself otherwise it's not an authentic relationship absolutely hey uh, so to hold you account to wrap up How's the running going? Because <laughs> well, just actually, before this, you were you were getting into the park runs. Yeah, well, so actually, that is that is. Um, I don't know. Have I been disciplined? Uh, it's going okay, actually. I've run. Yeah, because you used, yeah, and you were going to morning classes as well. Yeah, like your fitness was on point. Yeah, like I was. So I partly that's because I live like five minutes away from the gym, but um, yeah, prior to prior to the whole lockdown thing, I was actually you know, I was becoming fairly disciplined with that and going pretty regularly and then making progress. And I thought, oh, this is going great. And, um, you know, the Lord humbled me. <laughs> that's been a feature <laughs> over, that's been, the, that's been a feature over the, the past couple of years. The, lo the Lord humbled me and uh, there was a global pandemic and the gym <laughs> shut. <laughs> so, and you replaced it with baking sardo. <laughs> well, yeah, so, well, uh, to be honest with you, Rachel, my wife, has been the one who who's oh, she's, excelled. You're just that. fronting the whole I, thing. I made a I made a sourdough starter, which I was very attached to for about two days, and I fed it and looked after it, <laughs> and then it just got left and turned to kind of a black color. Um, so my sourdough. I bet you're not allowed to look after the plants <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah, my, my that that's definitely not my my remit or my area of speciality. But but uh, yeah, the running is going well. Although Andy, it'll be a, a good while before I catch up with you i'd say in a park run we'll see <laughs> thanks for doing this man uh, the the funny thing is uh this recording might not have actually worked <laughs> and there's nobody watching the cameras so we could just be talking to ourselves we could never mind if anyone's gonna click and listen so thanks yeah well the thing is if if that's the case i've enjoyed the conversation i felt encouraged by it and it's it's been uh, it's been good chatting to you man nice one and i like the corduroy do you want, <laughs> do you want, to, do you want to tell the story oh, just to, no. just to close what happened so, okay 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 this is embarrassing but i'll tell it anyway so i've got this new uh navy corduroy, corduroy jacket which is a bit too big for me to be honest i probably look like a bit of a wally but i'm quite pleased with it because i'm i probably saw it on instagram and thought i'd look good in that and i i don't really but I, I thought it was kind of cool and suited me. So I sent a little video on my on my route here, walking to Andy's this house. This is the story. I recorded myself wearing this jacket, you know, saying, isn't this a great jacket? And I was sending it to my family chat, like to say, guys, like, what do you think of my jacket? Aren't I cool type thing? And I sent it straight to Andy. <laughs> I'm just about to arrive at his door, like 30 seconds away. We'll insert a clip here. And I sent, <laughs> I sent a clip bragging about my jacket and how cool I am, just as I'm about to arrive at his house. Thought, it it could have been worse. Oh, you could have been sending that to Jim or someone. He, he would rip you. True, true. <laughs> but I felt like a right wally. 
Um, but yeah, it is cool, isn't it? You nice gotta say. <laughs> you probably go, gotta go home for dinner. Eon, yeah, uh, Eon well, dinner, Judy. What is the time? I did say that I would. Uh, I did say that I would barbecue tonight, and I haven't Ooh, got wow. anything. So hope it's nice. Yeah. So so um, you're very welcome to. to join <laughs> it's us. very kind. <laughs> cheers, cheers, Ollie. Thanks, man. <laughs>